Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. We've been talking about code breaking and and code breaking stories. There was a, a story I had not known about until recently. It was called the Zimmerman Telegraph. The Zimmerman Telegraph was a telegraph that was intended for the ambassador of Germany who was in Mexico. And uh, it was intercepted by the British about 1917. And when the British intercepted this, this telegraph, it took them about a month to decode it. But once they finally decoded it, what they found that was Germany was trying to make an alliance with Mexico to fight against the United States. And they told Mexico that they would provide funding and they would provide ammunition. And when Germany won the war, that Mexico would be able to reclaim the territories of Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. That did not sit well with the Americans. And actually, America had been neutral towards World War I. But once Woodrow Wilson heard that President Wilson made the decision and we joined on the side of the Allies. When they broke the code and they found out what was going on, they decided we need to get involved in this. This morning, as we're talking about breaking the code, I want to talk about breaking the code on something that is one of the sticking points of our Christian walk. If you came to me as, a, as someone and said, you know, Alan, I don't know what's going on with my spiritual life. Can you help me with that? This is one of the first areas I would look at because it's an area that all of us deal with, and that is the subject of forgiveness. So don't turn the channel. Don't change. Stay with me because this is something that can produce so much freedom in your life and so much help in your life when you understand it. The thing about forgiveness is, if forgiveness is easy, someone came to me and said, forgiveness is not easy. I said, if it was easy, everybody would do it. It is not easy, but yet it is part of our Christian walk. You will not get through your Christian life without having to forgive somebody. And it's just simply part of what we do, but it is often misunderstood and it's undervalued. It's underestimated. People are like, yeah, yeah, forgiveness. No, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> and during the Korean War, there were some officers who rented a house, and they hired a Korean uh, young man, a little, a little guy, to come in, and he would help them cook and clean up. Just a real happy, just good-natured kid. And uh, they, they loved having him around, but they started playing practical jokes on him. And like, for example, he would leave his shoes by the door, and, and uh, then he would slip his shoes on and leave, and uh, they nailed his shoes to the floor. And so, you know, he steps in and, and falls over. They thought that was really big funny. And then also they put the bucket of water, you know, over the door. They balanced it. So when you open the door, bucket of water falls. And, uh, after, but the kid took it so good naturedly, they started feeling bad about it. So finally they called him in and they sat him down. They said, look, we have, have been mean to you and we have played practical jokes on you. We're going to stop. And uh, we, we apologize. You handled it so well. Well, we're stopping. And uh, the, the young man said, so no more nail shoes to the floor. They said, no, no more nailing shoes to the floor. He said, no more bucket of water on door. He said, no, no, no bucket of water on door. He smiled. He said, okay, then. He said, no more spit in soup. <laughs> Forgiveness is a wonderful thing. But here's the thing about forgiveness. Forgiveness is something that actually impacts 
three areas, three key areas of our, of our life. When disciples asked Jesus, they said, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Well, he taught them something that many of you know as the Lord's Prayer. This is what it looks like in the New Living Translation. Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. Forgiveness impacts three key areas. It impacts your relationship with God. We need to receive forgiveness from him. And it, forgiveness really, you talk about something that will clog the pipes. Unforgiveness can clog the pipes. But forgiveness also impacts our relationship with other people. How we forgive and if we forgive. And then there's something maybe we haven't talked enough about is how forgiveness can impact our own well-being, our own peace, our own heart. A number of years ago when Joy and I were at Lakewood Church, this was back in the 90s, there was a guy there at Lakewood I did not like. He's not the pastor. I love the pastor. John Osteen, Joel's father. I love Pastor Osteen. But there was a guy in the, in the church I didn't like. I just thought he was all hat and no cattle. You know what that means? A windbag. You know what that means? Somebody just, somebody's just mouthy, talking all the time. He would stand up and share a word. He had a deep voice, and he would go, he would go, "Thus saith the Lord." And I'm like, oh, jeez. And, and Joy would, Joy would look at me, and I'd be rolling my eyes, and like, and Joy's like, she's nudging me, like, stop. I, I just, I didn't like you. And she's like, I can't believe you would say that. You were, I wasn't a pastor then. And uh, he, uh, Joy was very sick. She had chronic acute pancreatitis. And uh, I, just to see her then, she was almost green sometimes in color. It was, a, it was a hard thing. And we had prayed and we were trusting God and believing God. Well, we had a conference there and he was at the conference and there were a group of leaders around and, and he, he came up to Joy and went, sister, can I pray for you? Everyone was brother and sister. Sister... Can I pray for you? And Joy looked at him. She said, no, no, that's okay. She said, uh, Alan and I have prayed. We're good. And uh, he reached over, grabbed her hand, and put his hand on her head and began to pray anyway. Now, I was farther away. And when I saw that happening, there was not a good look on my face. I mean, here, here's one thing. If someone says, no, I don't want you to pray, then keep your hands off of them. Don't pray. And better keep your hands off my wife. <laughs> and, and I was, I, man, I was looking at that. I, I, I'm hot. He looked up, and I'm, I'm giving him some looks, man, like. <laughs> man, I, I was mad. I was, I was hopping mad. And the next day, we're still at this conference. The next day, he catches me toward the back of the room. I'll never forget that. He, catches, and he comes to me and goes, Brother, you didn't seem too happy yesterday when I was praying for your wife. He stuck out his hand. So I grabbed his hand, and I would not let it go. And I said, no, I wasn't too happy. I said, I'm going to tell you something. So if someone says they don't want you praying for them, especially if someone else's wife, they're not your wife, and I meant I lit into him. I wouldn't let go of his hand. He's trying to pull his hand back. I'm not letting go of his hand. I'm just holding on his hand. And I'm, man, I'm reading him the ride act. He's looking around for witnesses. There was nobody around. It was just me and him. So I finished what I had to say and dropped his hand and walked off. But now I'm carrying something in my heart. 
I, he would stand up or I'd see him around Lakewood and I'd have that feeling like, <laughs> So let's fast forward at least a year. And Pastor Osteen called us all. We had a big area at the front. It was a Sunday night church. Anybody remember Sunday night church? Anybody remember? Aren't you glad we don't? Anyway, it's a... <laughs> We, it was, it was, down, it, the church used to last, sometimes at Lakewood, hour and a half was a light service. Two hours was norm. And so we had time to pray. And so he was calling all the people who were involved in ministry, calling them down to the altar to, to pray. And I saw him, this guy I didn't like, I saw him go down. And I'm like, and, and, and the Lord speaks to my heart, didn't hear a voice. All of a sudden I knew in my heart, you need to forgive him. And I realized I'd been carrying that. And I, 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 I bowed my head and I said, Lord, you're right. I forgive him. I, I clear my heart. So I went down there and we prayed and there was an altar time. When we were going back to our seats, I looked around. It was just me and him again. And he looks at me and he goes, puts his hand and goes, brother, I hope there's no hard feelings. And I remember I shook his hand. I looked him in the eye and I smiled. I said, I've got nothing in my heart. Now, you say, did y'all become BFFs? No. <laughs> did you do lunch and hang out? No. I still didn't trust him, but I didn't carry anything in my heart for him. Does that make sense? And it, it was a release for me. You know, that's why I'm saying forgiveness is often misunderstood. But we need to understand it because it's a part of life. Jesus talked about forgiveness, and he, had a, he, he was invited to dinner with a, with, a, with a Pharisee whose name was Simon. Now, the Pharisees, you have to understand, the Pharisees were extremely legalistic. They were the most legalistic group. I mean, they were just hardcore and very arrogant. And this one Pharisee named Simon invited Jesus into his house. And when Jesus took the invitation, he came into the house. Uh, there was a lady who came who evidently had a bad reputation in the town. Now, it doesn't tell us, but you're starting to get the feeling if she's got a bad reputation, it probably because it was something bigger than her cooking wasn't good. <laughs> she had a reputation. And she comes up behind Jesus, and when they would eat, they didn't sit in chairs like, like we do. They often would recline, like on a, maybe an elevated platform, and they would eat really almost lying down, propped up on one arm. And she came up behind him and began, she's weeping. And with her tears, her tears are, are just falling on his feet. And then she, her hair is down, which was not a, a common place for a, a woman to have her hair down at the time. But she's wiping his feet with her hair. And then she brought an alabaster box, which is very expensive, a very expensive perfume. And she began to anoint his feet, to kiss his feet. You say, well, What's up with the feet? That was more of a culture then. And it, it was part of the culture, but in Isaiah it said, how blessed are the, are the feet of those who bring the good news of peace and salvation. This woman knew, this Jesus is my answer. And she's weeping. And Simon the Pharisee, he didn't say it out loud, but he was thinking to himself, you know, if this man really was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is touching him. And Jesus happened to have insight into what he was thinking. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And the, 
And Simon says, say it, Lord. Listen, if the Lord ever says, hey, I have something to say to you, <laughs> brace yourself, because here it comes. Jesus told him the story, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 550 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and there are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. In this story, Jesus is contrasting what has happened between someone, two people who were forgiven debts, one forgiven a lot of debt, 500 pieces of silver, the other 50. And then he asks an obvious question, who do you think is going to love more? And Simon the Pharisee answered correctly, he said, I guess the one who is forgiven more. Jesus said, you're right. And then he pointed out the contrast between Simon and the woman. He said, Simon, I came into your home. You didn't give me any water for my feet. Listen, back in those days, there wasn't a lot of pavement. The roads were mostly dirt. And so their feet wearing sandals, their feet would really get dirty. And so in good homes, they would often put out water. And sometimes if they had a servant, the servant would wash the feet of guests. That's how you treated a guest. He said, you give me water for my feet. You didn't give me a kiss. At that time, they would, they would meet with kisses. If you've been to other countries, you'll notice a lot of times they'll like kiss you on both sides. of. That caught me by surprise first time I was ever in the dump. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's like, but then that's what they do. And so there's, there's a, a kiss on both sides. We would say a handshake today, maybe a bro hug or a hug. But it was, it was a greeting. That's how you greet someone. Someone walks in your house, you just don't go, hey, it's usually, hey, good to see you. None of that. He said, you didn't anoint my head with oil, but this, this woman has poured, has poured perfume, costly perfume on my feet. She's kissed my feet. And, and what he was contrasting was, this woman knows she's a sinner. She knows she's a sinner. And she also knows I'm the answer for her sins. And so she loved much. You just see her love. You could, you could see it in this woman. She's like so appreciative. She knew she was a sinner. She knew she was on the wrong side of life. And she knew that Jesus was her salvation. And she's weeping and she's given the very best she has because she loves him so much. He'd forgiven her so much. Simon, not so much. Simon may have thought he was doing the Lord a favor by having him come into the house. Simon didn't know if he was a prophet or not. And so you see the lack of respect and even though Simon was a sinner also, he didn't know it. And he certainly didn't acknowledge it. And so he, didn't, he could have easily looked at Jesus and said, Lord, I, I'm full of pride and arrogance. Please forgive me. But he didn't. And Jesus contrasted it. Forgiveness. He who loves little because he feels like he's been forgiven little versus someone who feels like they've been forgiven a lot and they love a lot. You know, in forgiveness and breaking the code on forgiveness, there's some things we've, we've got to understand.
And there's some things that I really believe will help us. And I, I want you to catch this point today. I want you to catch this particularly. That we need to, we need to put a high value on God's forgiveness of us. Place a high value on God's forgiveness of us. Now when I say that, a lot of times people will say immediately, oh, I'm not that bad. I'm, I've heard people look at me and go, I'm not that bad. I've talked to people about receiving Jesus and they're like, I'm not that bad. And immediately they begin to go, I've never killed anybody. You know, I've never stolen, never robbed a bank, never killed anybody. You know, I, I've, I've always been good. I've been, I'm, I'm good. I'm not that bad. And um, if, you're, if you haven't killed anybody, thank God for you. <laughs> society needs more like you. Trust me. We need, we need good people in society. Here's the challenge. We judge ourselves by societal norms. But here's the, the problem is when we stand before God, we're not going to be judged by our neighbors and co-workers. Because they might go, oh, well, he was a good person. He's a wonderful person. You're going to be looking for your neighbors and co-workers. You're going to be standing before God, and there's going to be nobody around. You're like, whoa, 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 where is everybody? It's just me and the Lord. And how are we going to be judged then? Peter was preaching to a group of Gentiles. And in the early church, they did a lot of this. Their message, after Jesus was raised from the dead and went back to heaven, their message, they kept preaching forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Peter's preaching to a group of Gentiles. He said, he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He's the one all the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. So guys, the thing about it is, is we won't stand before a judgment call of our peers and our society. We're going to stand before our creator and the maker of the heavens and the earth. And when we stand before him and he says, why should I let you in? You go, Lord, I've been good. I'm a great neighbor. Always return my lawnmower for my neighbor when I borrowed it, even put gas in it. I am a good neighbor. And the Lord said, that's good. That's good. But how do you look next to Jesus? Um, not so good, Lord. Because no one looks good next to Jesus. Because all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. So when we stand before the Lord, you say, well, how, how do you look in Jesus' light? And you go, uh, I don't look so good. But here's the good news. The good news is if you acknowledge that and say, Lord, I can't save myself. I can't, I can't get past my own sins, but I, I believed in Jesus. He is my Lord and Savior. And because he's my Lord and Savior, I am cleansed and forgiven of all my sins and I can stand before you with confidence that I'm standing with him. Now here's the, here's the kicker, guys. We've, we've gotten away from this. I've, I've done it myself. We've gotten away from this of acknowledging that we need forgiveness of our sins. We, we think, oh, no, no, Alan, not, you know, that's for the down and outers. I want to tell you something. Jesus, we preach forgiveness of sins to the down and outers and to the up and outers. 
to the ones in the gutters and the ones in the gated communities because there's none of us in our own right. I don't care how good you've been. There's none of us that compares to Jesus and we have to come not on what we've done but on his bloodshed for us. And that is what cleanses us. But here's the thing, parents, parents, let me help you with this. Raising kids, and I've talked about this with my kids. I did not do enough. I, I presented Christianity as a way to live. I did not do enough to tell my kids, you need a savior. You need a savior. You need someone to save you from your sins. We are presented Christianity as almost an alternate form of philosophy. Well, you go this way or you go with Christianity. I've heard people say, well, I don't, Alan, I don't want to brainwash my kids. I want to brainwash them as much as I can because we're talking about eternity here. I want to influence them as much as I can. We need a savior. We can't save ourselves. And if someone foes you, if somebody... If somebody, if you were drowning and someone threw you a life preserver, you would be so appreciative. Listen, we did not do God a favor when we received Jesus. He did something for us. And that makes us love him a lot. I've done something. And listen, like I said, I've been guilty of this. But when I saw this, I, I started, I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I haven't thanked you enough that you've forgiven me of my sins. I haven't thanked you enough. Try this tonight before you go home or, or, or when you go to bed. Before you go to bed, say, Lord, I want to thank you that you have washed me and forgiven me of my sins and I can stand before you clean. That's valuable. And the more we value that, the harder it is to leave him because we appreciate what he's done. Place a high value on God's forgiveness. Then receive God's forgiveness if you fall short. Well, that's a... <laughs> You say, well, Alan, I, since I've been a Christian, you know, I came to the Lord, and since I've been a Christian, I, man, I've messed it. I, I've just, I've messed up. Okay, join the club. All of us have done that. And so, thank God, God made provision for that. 1 John 1, 9. I know this would like, this is probably the verse I know as well as any. If we confess our sins, I don't even have to look. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What happens when you miss it? Listen, when you miss it and you go to the Lord and say, oh Lord, I'm sorry, I missed it. I fell short here. I missed it. That's not when God finds out about it. God doesn't go, whoa, really? That's when you get rid of it. And that's when you get forgiven of it. And that's when you get cleansed of it. And so we go to him and say, Lord, I want to thank you that you've forgiven me and I receive forgiveness. Now, here's the thing. Don't wait for a feeling. Just take it by faith. Say, so don't wait for a feeling like, I, I need to feel like the Lord's forgiven me. No, just take it and say, Lord, I believe you forgive me. You said if I confess it, that you would forgive me. Thank you, I received that and I'm gonna I'm walk on forgiven and cleansed. And that'll help you. But then here's the, here's the challenging one. What about forgiving other people? Yeah, it got quiet for a service too. Here's, here's where sometimes I, I think some of the misunderstanding comes from. One, forgiving, we have to extend forgiveness to other people. One of the key reasons is we're forgiven people, so we have to forgive. Look what it says in Colossians. Get that verse in Colossians, guys. Extend forgiveness to others. There we go. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Now here's, here's, here's what forgiveness is not. 
People say, well, if I forgive them, that means what they did was okay. No, that does not mean what they did was okay. There are things that have been done to people, and I hear them, and they're, and they're men, they will curl your toes. There's some horrible things. Should have never happened. Things done to children should have never happened. Things done in families should have never happened. Things done to people, honest, good people, should have never happened. And they say that if I forgive them, that means I'm saying what they did was okay. That's not what it's saying. Forgiving them is getting something off my heart. It's not saying what they did was okay. It's not saying that what they did will not have consequences. And it's not saying that we're reconciled. You heard what I said about that guy that, that, that I forgave? I still didn't trust him. So we, we didn't, it's like that we were reconciled. Reconciliation means there has to be trust there. Listen, forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. I can forgive you and not trust you as far as I can throw you. But I can forgive you. Don't have anything in my heart. Are we going to do business together? Nope. But that, you say, well, you're supposed to, you're supposed to restore me. Uh-uh, I'm forgiving you. Trust is earned. Here's what forgiveness is, though. When we forgive, what we're saying is we are not going to replay it in our mind and think about getting revenge. Don't look so holy. I know I'm not the only one who is lying in bed at night thinking about something when somebody did to me and then I'm going to, when I'm going to see them, I'm going to say this and then they're going to say that and then I'm going to say this, bam, and I'm going to drop the hammer on them and I'm going to win. I'm the only one that's ever done that. I understand that. Just, just, deal, just indulge me just for a moment. But it's not going through that. It's not talking about it all the time. If I've forgiven them, I'm not going to talk about it. It's a choice. And I choose to do it, but here's the beautiful thing about it is, once I forgive them, there is such personal freedom in this. You say, Alan, you don't realize what's been done to me. You're right, I don't. You don't know what's been done to me. But let me, let me share a story with you and see if you can relate to this. Two twins growing up in, um, in the era of World War II named Eva and Miriam Kaur. They were twins. They got sent to, to Auschwitz, one of the worst concentration camps that existed. Because they were twins, Joseph Mengele, who was considered the doctor there, performed horrible, torturous experience, and he was fascinated with twins. And the things he did to this girl are, 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 are unspeakable. Horrible things. Both of them survived. And in 1995, Eva Kaur went back to Auschwitz to celebrate 50 years of freedom. She invited a doctor who was still alive at that time, Dr. Hans Munch, who was the doctor who signed all the death certificates in Auschwitz. He was involved in the gas chamber operations. And she wanted him to come and meet her there and sign an affidavit that these things had taken place. They were documenting this, that these things had taken place. And this doctor, Dr. Hans Munch, actually came and signed the affidavit of all the horrible things that were done. He signed off on it. After she was so appreciative of the fact that she came, she said, I should thank him. She said, but how in the world do you thank a Nazi doctor? She, said, she battled with that for 10 months. Finally, she came up with an idea. She said, I'm going to write him a simple note of forgiveness. She said, immediately, as soon as she made the decision, she said she knew he would appreciate it. She said, but she discovered something. She discovered that forgiveness 
is not so much for the perpetrator as it is for the victim. She said, forgiveness was my choice and no one could take that away from me. She said, I had the power to do it. And she said, and for the first time, I felt good and powerful about my life as a survivor. They interviewed Eva Kaur before she died. And she said this. She said, if I had discovered forgiveness sooner, I would have had 50 years of my life given back to me. She said, forgive and see what miracles can take place. I love what she said. Forgiveness is not so much for them. It's for us. It's for the survivors. People have already shared with me this morning horrible things that have happened. But forgiving them does something good for you. Here's the last one. And this one, I think, sometimes can be the toughest one. We have to learn to forgive ourselves. I've heard people say, Alan, I, I, just, I can forgive other people. I just can't, I can't forgive myself. And I understand that. Sometimes we can be so hard on ourselves. But it's not helping us to keep punishing ourselves for things that we've done. It doesn't help us sleep. It doesn't help us do anything good. There's a, there's a verse I saw as I was studying this, and it, it pertains to something different. God was talking to Peter. He said, the voice spoke again. He said, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Now, we talked about receiving God's forgiveness. Lord, I'm sorry for what I did. And he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just having that forgiveness and that cleansing, here's the deal though. If God has cleansed you, then don't call yourself unclean. If God has cleansed you, and if Almighty God, the judge of all the earth, if he's cleansed you, then you don't have to call yourself unclean. You say, well, other people, other people aren't happy. Listen, you can't make other people forgive you. But if God has forgiven you, then the best thing you can do is receive his forgiveness and forgive yourself and go on. Say, well, if I, if I forgive myself, that means I, I, I have to keep like I keep needing to pay penance. You don't need to take pain. You need to receive forgiveness and forgive yourself and lift your head up and go about life because the kingdom of God is not doing better by you punishing yourself. Forgive yourself and go. Mark Galley told the story of getting into an argument with his wife a number of years ago. He said, as he got in, in this argument, he got angrier and angrier. He said he got so furious that he took his fist, he slammed it into the dining room wall. He said usually, usually the Holy Spirit would help him guide his hand between the studs. He, 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 sarcastically speaking. He said, but this time he hit a stud straight on and just smashed his knuckle, broke it. He said, a deathly silence just came over the whole room. He said, in his family, nothing got done until somebody yelled. He said, but in his wife's family, Barb, he said, in Barb's family, if somebody yelled, everything shut down. And he sat there and thought, oh, no. She's not going to speak to me for weeks. She's going to withdraw from me. He said he was writhing in pain from the broken knuckle. He said he was writhing in pain on the inside the fact that he was broken emotionally and he felt like such a failure as a husband. He went and got a broom and he's awkwardly one-handing trying to sweep up the sheetrock dust that's on the floor when he felt a hand on his arm and Barb was Barb. He turned and she said something apologetic 
And then he said something apologetic. And then she reached out and embraced him and just held him for a long time. He said she could have given him a lesson. She could have condemned his behavior. She could have withdrawn herself from him to teach him something. She said, but instead of doing that, she embraced an angry sinner. And instead of teaching him a lesson, she helped him heal. When I think of that, I think, wasn't that just like Jesus? He came and lived among us. He saw our sin. He saw what we did. He could have, he could have condemned it. could have condemned us. He could have withdrawn and said, Father, I can't handle these people. But instead of doing that, he embraced her anger, her pride, all the junk. He not only embraced it, he took that sin on himself. And in doing so, he paved the way that we could be completely forgiven and healed and whole. Talk about breaking the code. Jesus smashed it. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Sends are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's leaving. Please, if you can, just give us a couple of minutes. If you came and said, you know what, Alan, I don't know that I have a relationship with the Lord. I don't know if I ever asked him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, I used to know the Lord, but I've gotten so far away from him, but I want to come back. We're going to say a prayer. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. We're not going to do any of that. But this prayer is for you. I am going to ask you to do one thing. If that's you that I'm talking to, and you want in on this prayer, and you say, Alan, that's me. I need the Lord, or I need him back in my life. Would you pray for me? Would you shoot your hand up real quick across this auditorium and say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. Thank you for your courage. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, thanks. Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Maybe you didn't lift your hand. You really wanted to. That's okay. You can pray this prayer with us. And you pray it from your heart. We're going to join you as a church family. If you're here, pray it out loud. If you're, if you're by yourself watching online, pray it out loud. If you're with others, pray it quietly. Church family is going to join you. You're not alone in this. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I said yes to you. Head still bowed. Father, thank you for those that prayed that prayer. For those who have come to you for the very first time, stepped out of darkness into your marvelous light, and for those who come back home, we rejoice with them. And Father, for the rest of us, thank you that you have forgiven us of our sins. Thank you, Father, that we can walk free from that. We can extend it to others. Such great freedom there. Such a blessing. Thank you that we have that capacity. Thank you for what you've done for us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.